Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining us today, which is January 23rd, 2019. Our show today is something that I'm quite passionate about and very excited to be talking with Morris Miller. He is the CEO of Zenex with an X, and we're going to be be discussing their germ-zapping robots, which is pretty amazing in itself, but we want to really concentrate on something that's of most importance, and that is we need to understand the risks when you go into a hospital. It's, it's something that we can't see, but there's so many different types of pathogens that attach to our clothing, our shoes, et cetera, when we're in a hospital. And then those germs and pathogens a lot of times are transferred to others. A little background on Morse Miller. Again, he is a CEO, and he was originally from San Antonio, and he graduated from Dedman School of Law at Southern Methodist University. He also went to the University of Texas at Austin, and he went to the Phillips Exeter Academy. I'm going to bring him onto our show now because I really want to get into this topic. Thank you so much for joining us, Morris. Hi, Denise. Thank you. So let's get started. How did you get on the path that you're on today? Uh, here, here at Zenex, the uh, this company was uh, founded by Mark Stibick and Julie Stahoviak, uh, who are both um, they both held PhDs in epidemiology from Johns Hopkins. And um, they came to me uh, in about 2009 and explained that 2 million people a year in the United States are getting infections. So these are, and and most people have a story about somebody who goes to a hospital to get better. And instead the hospital, they go to the hospital and they get sick from something that they contracted in the hospital. And uh, they had a new um, way to disinfect those hospital rooms um, to uh, destroy the pathogens that make people sick. Oh, and how is this? How, how, how? Tell us how. <laughs> okay. So, so, so if you think about um, hospitals, uh, generally for the last hundred years, they've used bleach and other kinds of chemical cleaners, ammonia, Um, activated hydrogen peroxide, different kinds of chemistry to fight the pathogens. Well, when when the founders, when Mark and Julie came and spoke to me, they they presented me uh, some studies that showed housekeepers, and and, and just so you know, 
housekeepers are heroes in these hospitals. They are absolute heroes in these hospitals. They are doing the dirtiest job um, that you can imagine. Um, uh, and, I mean, hard hours, hard work. Um, mm. And they've got to get a room turned over, basically ready for the next uh, occupant, in about, on average in the United States, 38 minutes. Well, that's wow. not much more wow. time. That's really not much more time than, than people have to than, than housekeepers have in hotels to turn over a hotel room, and yet all of these surfaces. So, going back to 2009, when the founders came and talked to me, they showed me a study that showed that 50% of the surfaces, the high touch surfaces in hospitals, these are like the bed where the patient is, or the remote control, or the nurse's call button, or the telephone next to the bed, that 50% of those surfaces weren't getting disinfected by those housekeepers. And as a consequence, I, you know, the, these, we talk about these pathogens, but the pathogens are really superbugs. And this is staph, um, you know, MRSA, methicillin-resistant staph, vancomycin-resistant enterococci. These are in their very names, you know, methicillin-resistant staph is resistant to the antibiotic methicillin, which at one point in time was a wonder drug, and most people don't realize they're not making more antibiotics. So going back, you know, the, 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 the pathogens, superbugs, killer bacteria are on these surfaces. They can live for as long as seven months if they're what? not hit. Seven months. Um, it, it's crazy. And so without a different approach, you, you couldn't kill. So chemistry was what everybody was using. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then for a number of years, for about 30 years, sometimes you'll go into buildings or you'll go into hospitals and you'll see like these glowing blue lights. Those are mm -hmm. mercury light bulbs. And they put out UV light, um, but they put it out at a single spectrum. Um, and their idea, Mark and Julie's idea, was that you could use a xenon lamp you could pulse it with high energy, and it would put out broad-spectrum ultraviolet light. And really, it's, it's basically replicating sunlight inside of that room. Anybody that's ever gone outside, I mean, this is a simple way to think about it. If you go outside on a hot summer day when that sun is high in the sky and you don't have on sunscreen, if you're fair-skinned, chances are five, ten minutes from now, you're going to be sunburned because the ultraviolet light from the sun has damaged the DNA on your skin. We're doing the Xenex robot, this light strike germ zapping robot, is doing the exact same thing in a hospital room. It's basically pulverizing all of those pathogens and superbugs, sunburning them, kind of in theory, so that they can't replicate. So it's not actually a sunburn. It's deactivating the DNA of the bacteria, but it's an easy way to think about it. Mm -hmm. so, so, pulse, with a if, so if a robot is, is put into a room that light can literally hit every single thing in that room? Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't hit everything because it probably doesn't get behind the bed. It may not get mm -hmm. under the bed, but those aren't high-touch surfaces. Those aren't places that the patient is typically touching. And, and when you think about the transfer of these superbugs to the patient, what might happen is the patient might pick up a remote control that hasn't quite been disinfected oh, yeah. before Xenex, and then they rub their eye, or maybe they have their, their nose itches, or maybe they have a scratch or a wound, and they kind of itch the wound, or they touch the wound because it's painful, and all of a sudden the pathogen from the remote control goes in their eye, nose, mouth, somewhere, and, uh, and then, you know, shortly thereafter, they've got an infection that they never expected. 
and 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 what the founders explained to me is that two million Americans a year get these infections, and over a hundred thousand die. And I was like, hundred thousand, yeah. It, and and it's it, and it costs the U.S. hospital healthcare system about thirty-two to forty billion dollars a year. So a, a visual for your for your listeners is to think about if a Boeing seven forty-seven or Boeing seven seventy-seven was in the air. And this afternoon it crashed, God forbid, and uh, 300 people died or 300 plus people died. It would be on national news, okay? And it would be insanely expensive. Well, what's happening in the hospitals is the equivalent of a Boeing airliner or Airbus, not picking on Boeing because uh, they're actually very safe, safer than going to the hospital. Um, they're cra- it's like one of those airplanes crashing every other day with a complete loss of the airplane and all the people on board. So huge, horrendous. Yeah, um, and 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 in the hospital's defense, they were doing the best that they could with the uh, chemicals. They really were, and the housekeepers were doing the best thing that they could. But if, if anybody has ever washed their car, sometimes you'll wash the car bumper to bumper, and then the next day you come out and you go, "Oh, I missed a place on the back window." Imagine if you had to wash that car in a room, a hospital room, is much bigger than the car. And you only had 38 minutes to do it. And that's, that, that's the impossible task that's put in front of these housekeepers. So using the light, your, your question was, how does it work? You, you run it on the left side of the bed for four minutes. You run it on the right side of the bed for four minutes. You run it in the bathroom if the room has a separate bathroom for four minutes. And the room is disinfected. Amazing. Actually, it is kind of amazing. It really is. The... Uh, how many does um, uh, let's just say uh, average size hospital need? Um, uh, it's hard to say because you know a, an average hospital in rural America may be fifty beds and they might need yeah. one. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of hospitals that are two hundred beds and they might need four, mm-hmm. and then there's hospitals okay. we have hospitals that have eight hundred beds and they might need uh, sixteen or twenty. Mm-hmm. It just depends, and it also depends yeah. if they have operating rooms and that kind of thing. Uh, do they have to have uh, one person designated to running it? They they, they have a choice. You, they they can have the housekeepers um, run the robots, or sometimes they might have nurses on a unit that are in control of the discharges on their unit, quickly run it. Um, we send out, we've never just shipped a robot, so we always go out and we train the hospitals. We work with them um, looking at where infections have occurred in the past, and then mm. helping them come up with a plan for how do you most effectively um, bring down your infection rates. So the hospitals actually know where these infections are, are breaking out. They know the actual rooms or the surgical areas, et cetera. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, like well, we, that's fascinating like in the, itself, if you think about it, that they're able to trace it back to specific places. Well, they may not know. So we've done this with certain hospitals where we'll go in and we'll um, look at the specific pathogen that a patient had and then follow other patients who had infections. And then we'll do something called a PCR test, polymerase chain reaction, which analyzes the DNA of the bacteria to say, is it the same bacteria or a variant, something that has uh, morphed from that original um, bacteria? And we can trace it 
literally from one room to another room to another room. Um, hospitals typically don't do that, but they may know, um, like, like I can think of an instance where a hospital in California, mother comes in to deliver a newborn, and everybody thinks that these, these infections are only, well, you know, they, they, they'll say, Denise, it, don't, it really only affects the elderly, right? People that are immunocompromised, you know, maybe cancer patients, people that are going through bone marrow transplants, not mm-hmm. true. So we get a call one day from the uh, infection preventionist. These are the nurses, hardworking nurses that are in charge of preventing um, infections at hospitals, and she says, she tells this story. Mother presents to deliver a newborn, Mother doesn't have methicillin-resistant staff. Baby doesn't have it. After the baby's delivered, all of a sudden, baby has staff. Mother has staff. They put them in an isolation room, and uh, they're like, okay, we hope that doesn't happen again. Another mother and baby present, deliver, Mm. staff infections. So this happens four times. So it's four mothers, four newborns. All of a sudden, all eight of them have MRSA infections, MRSA, methicillin-resistant staff. And uh, they go, um, okay, they contact the CDC. They say, what do we do? CDC says, all right, you need to do a bleach scrub down on those rooms. They give them the specific protocols. Uh, They call the Association for Healthcare Epidemiology of America. They give them another set of protocols. They follow all the protocols. Before you know it, 16 mothers and 16 newborns all have MRSA, and they literally call us and they say, we don't know what to do. We're going to shut down our labor and delivery suite. We've heard about your robot. We have no idea. And, and the, 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 one of the things that I loved about the founders, one of the things I love about the founders of this company is when I ask them, what is your mission for this company that you want to start? Without hesitation, they go, we want to reduce the suffering and pain that's caused by the infections and stop the needless deaths. Reduce mm-hmm. the suffering and pain caused by the infections and stop the needless deaths. And I go, okay, that's, that's a mission I can get behind. So consistent with that, we don't say to the California hospital, well, it's going to cost you, you know, this much money to do it. Mm-hmm. We just said, okay, we're going to overnight robots to you. We're going to send out uh, two people. We're going to disinfect the uh, labor and delivery suite end to end. takes us two days, two people. We disinfect everything we can see. They never have a single additional infection. And and the nurse who called us came and spoke to all of our employees at our annual meeting to say, look, mm-hmm. this is the difference that it made in a situation that we couldn't control. And the robot does that because light may miss behind the bed or under the, the under the bed, I guess, mm-hmm. because those aren't high touch surfaces, but it's going to get the high touch surfaces and it's going to consistently bring down the infection rates. How is it that some of these um, pathogens can live for seven months. I don't understand because when it comes to viruses, viruses don't live that long on surfaces. Um, yeah. So, so, so like one of the, the pathogens that, that lives the longest is called C. diff, Clostridium difficile. And uh, uh, C. diff is in a spore format. So it's like in a little, uh, protected shell, almost like an eggshell. You can't see it. It's microscopic, but it's just sitting there dormant, kind of like uh, yeast, you know, maybe in your cabinet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then all of a sudden when it's, you know, put in the right environment, it just uh, grows and uh, 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 it prospers and people suffer. Um, the, um, it, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just sitting there. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the interesting thing is that, that, just like most people um, 
don't want to be exposed to ultraviolet light. Neither do the pathogens. They don't have a defense to it. On the other hand, because nobody's in the room when you run our light, it's completely safe. Mm-hmm. So that people don't have to worry about it, um, but the pathogens, they're in the room. So people aren't. Pathogens are. Pathogens, you know, they're not going to survive. Jeez. How many years did it take to invent the technology? In other words, they you were, know, put this robot together and all. Yeah. That, well, they, they had their concepts in uh, early 2007 and 2008. Um, I met them in 2009, and they had some prototypes. Um, and uh, we, we literally my, – my first step with them is it, – look, it sounded fantastic to me. Like, okay, this is unbelievable. Let's yes. go get it tested. So we went to an independent lab, and the independent lab – um, he tested it, and, and actually the guy that owns the lab, and they were the, the founders lived in Houston. This lab was right by Dell Computer in Round Rock, and the guy who owns the lab says, okay, I worked at one of the leading chemical companies. Everybody knows the name of this chemical company. And he's mm-hmm. like, and I can tell you, after eight years there, this is the best disinfecting thing I have ever seen. And I was like, wow, really? Then we went out and we presented it to hospitals, and the hospitals, basically their question was, do you have any peer-reviewed published studies? Oh, so I write no. this down. Right? And then we go to a second hospital. They're like, well, how many peer-reviewed published studies do you have? And, and I, I had to ask the founders at the time. I go, what exactly is a peer-reviewed published study? Mm-hmm. And they go, well, if, if you read like the Journal of the American Medical Association, New England mm-hmm. Journal of Medicine, Association for Professionals in Infection Control, AGIC Magazine, they're like, it's all of these journals that are really published by academicians for the industry that are reviewed by these peer panels of people that really can question the science. And they're like, they're, they're asking if we have a published study. And I said, okay, we'll never be able to get this into the market unless we have a peer reviewed published study. And uh, because they lived in Houston, they went to MD Anderson, MD Anderson graciously agreed at their expense because the company didn't have any money. Expensive. Oh yeah. And and MD Anderson ran that study. And when they published it, they showed that this was 22 times better than their current method of disinfecting the rooms, 22 times. That means there was, you know, the number of bacteria before divided by 22. And mm-hmm. what, what I found really interesting was it wasn't dependent. So the use of the Zenex Light Strike robot was not dependent on manual housekeeping. So whether they cleaned the rooms manually or not, they got the same statistically significant reduction in bacterial load in those rooms. So the, the, the pathogens were dying. You might not want to go in the room. It might not look good, but at least from a pathogen standpoint, it was going to be a safer room for the patients. And it was mm-hmm. based upon that original MD Anderson study that we were able to go present that information to hospitals, and they were able to start adopting. And that's when we saw reductions in infection rate happen. And that means people literally that would otherwise get sick were not getting sick. Um, the, 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 uh, the first hospital was a Mass General affiliate. And uh, the doctor who, d- who did this, she expected to have 16 to 18 infections in the first quarter of uh, 2011. And uh, when I saw her in uh, March, April, in April of 2011, she goes, this is unbelievable. She says, mm. We didn't have 16 or 18. We had two infections, and those were in rooms that we didn't get to with Xenex. Oh. So 
you know, 14 to 16 infections avoided, that, that's really why we started the company. That's consistent with the mission, and that's what got us very excited about saying, okay, let's go bring this solution. And, and of these 2 million infections and 100,000 deaths per year in the United States, how big of an impact can we have, and how quickly can we make it? So how are you doing? Uh, we're, we're doing great. We're in uh, just under 500 hospitals, and um, uh, Mayo, Mayo, Mayo Clinic just published an uh, independent controlled trial. Mayo Clinic already had better than um, uh, industry average infection rates. They're, uh, they run an incredibly good hospital, and mm-hmm. uh, they published that using the Xenex robot. They were able to reduce their Clostridium difficile, these incredibly difficult-to-kill to spores, um, even better um, using Xenex, 39% mm. better. So they dropped an already wow. stellar infection rate even lower. And, and we're kind of seeing that across the country. It's like when you look at the best hospitals in the United mm-hmm. States, uh, Orlando Health, Honor Health in, in, in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona is a great example. Um, they're, they're treating 92% of their rooms on discharge with a Xenex robot. And their infection rates, uh, they recently shared with me, dropped uh, just a huge amount, huge amount. Um, so, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is that the, the robots, they're not replacing housekeeping because housekeeping still goes in and makes that room look sparkling, sure. and, you know, new. It makes it smell good. Mm-hmm. But the Xenex robot is doing this, this disinfection. Um, and, and, and actually, you asked earlier about who runs them. I, I've been in hospitals where the environmental service workers come in and they can literally report to me like that Mass General affiliate they saved by running the robots 16 lives. So these hardworking people, they're saving just as many lives as the surgeons and the doctors because they finally have a tool that they can use to get the job done. Isn't that wonderful? It's it really, is. really great. Yeah. Huh. How many hospitals in California? Uh, I don't know the number exactly, but probably 40 or 50. Uh, California has been, yeah, been a great adopter. You know, if you, if you kind of look around the country where there's elderly retired populations, mm-hmm. um, they have generally well-endowed hospitals. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, so Florida is another, uh, is another place that's really done a nice job adopting. Texas is another one. Um, Minnesota has done a great job, partially mm-hmm. because of the uh, um, um, partially because of the Mayo Clinic. I, I think the other the other thing is that the hospitals. Um, it's important, you know, if if somebody came in with the ultimate life saving technology and said, "Look, I can save anybody's life, but it's going to be a million dollars per person," the hospitals would say, oh, "I can't afford it." In this True. case, it, it costs maybe. $12 per room, $15 per room to disinfect that room. And um, as a result of that, if a, if a hospital prevents even two infections per year, then they'll pay for the robot. And mm-hmm. they can use it mm-hmm. basically for free for the rest of the year. So the payback on investment, um, so, so somebody came in today and they said one hospital in a year, the number that they gave me, they had cut their infection rate 70%. They saved $700,000 on an investment in two robots. So the two robots, 
you know, the, this year they'll cost them $60,000 total. So it's a 10 to one return on investment for that hospital. And the hospital's like, okay, we're going to get two more. We've seen, uh, you know, California has done a great job. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a state that most people might not suspect um, has mm-hmm. done an incredible job is Oklahoma. Oklahoma mm. has done an astonishing job. Stillwater Hospital. In fact, I mean, this is kind of a, a nice story. When you remember um, last year, the flu outbreak was huge. Mm-hmm. So the, the hospital called us and said, you know, we'd really um, like to go disinfect the local schools. And we said, okay. And they said, you know what, we'll donate the manpower if you'll donate the robots. Oh. And we said, okay. So we, so we sent them a dozen robots. Um, to, actually, I think we sent them 10 robots, but 10 or 12 robots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and literally they went out to the um, schools and did the disinfection and stopped that outbreak. So that was a normal, Norman Regional um, was the hospital that did that in uh, uh, Oklahoma, Norman Regional. I mean, but it was, it was an extraordinary effort. It was really, uh, you don't normally think about, ho- you know, hospitals doing. How proactive. Yeah. Incredibly right. yeah, proactive. It was, it was, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, they're, they're an incredible hospital. Um, but anyway, we've been very um, happily surprised by how aggressive the Oklahomans have been um, um, at, mm-hmm. at fighting infections. That really is impressive. What... Um, are hospitals able to lease these machines or do they have to buy them outright? Uh, no, they, they don't have, no, they can, we'll, we'll, basically we will figure out how to get the, the money will never prevent a hospital that wants this from having it. We, you know, we, 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 um, uh, we, we have one hospital that needed 16 and, wow. um, and, and so they said, look, we just don't have the budget. And we said, okay, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll agree. Let's agree on how, what percentage, infection rate reduction you'd have to have to pay for the robots and they said five percent we said okay we won't even send you a bill till you get a ten percent reduction so not only have you paid for the machines but you're kind of in the money on the machines right because you've already prevented five percent plus another five percent if five percent pays for it um so we went to them um after 130 days implementation and then 90 days of usage on the half of the hospital that was using our devices um, the infection rates had dropped 49%. On the other half of the hospital that didn't have the robots, uh, they increased their, their infection rate increased 7 to 27%, depending upon where you were looking in that part of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Then they deployed the other half of the robots. The next 90 days, their infection rate dropped by 58%. And in the most recent quarter, it was a 70% reduction overall. Um, so in that case, they didn't have to take any economic risk, no money out of pocket, and we were happy to do that. We're, we'll do that challenge with any hospital anywhere. We really will. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, and, then, and then we've seen, you know, hospitals um, like Honor Health where they have the, these incredibly generous foundations and donors who come in and say, look, you know, this hospital um, took care. There, there's a, a one story at Honor Health um, where this um, um, woman whose husband was named Frank uh, uh, passed away, and uh, so she named a robot Frank the Tank, and because uh, uh, every every one of our robots has a name, and uh, so she named the robot Frank the Tank, and put it into the hospital as a donation to prevent um, other people from suffering infections, and then she donated a second one. So there's an incredibly generous Americans out there that are, that are making this happen with their foundations. 
That's that's just that's great. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's oh down in the news, and yet, you know, I, I could see it if you, if you were to walk outside my office, you'd see that we've run run since since we started putting the robots uh, into the market, mm-hmm. we've run eleven million. 700,000 cycles as of today, 11,700,000. So, you know, I talk to the employees and I, and I say, when, when you do the math, you have a one in 20 chance of getting an infection when you go to the hospital, 5% mm-hmm. chance, one in 20. That's about the statistics. And then one in 10 of those patients that get an infection will end up dying, right? So mm-hmm. um, the, when, when, when you look at that, um, at 11 million cycles, we, we can estimate that about 200,000 people have not gotten infections as a result mm-hmm. of these robots being run, and, and the hospitals have managed to save, call it, 20,000 20, lives. Because, again, it takes environmental services and a good infection prevention program plus Xenex, and then you mm-hmm. get um, incredible results. The, 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 other, the other place that we've seen this work is in surgery centers, um, you know, where they're doing joint knee and hip replacements. So orthopedic outpatient, really, outpatient, outpatient, absolutely. Because yeah. now you can go in and you go, well, I'm only going to be in the hospital for, you know, eight hours or 10 hours. And then they're going to have me out walking even after a, a joint replacement. Well, as long as the, the, the facility is disinfected, then, then you hopefully won't get a uh, infection. The, the other places at long-term acute care facilities, um, these are typically for elderly patients or people who aren't so sick that they have to stay in the hospital, but they need to recover. Mm-hmm. Or we've seen it in skilled nursing facilities associated with nursing homes, where before this, there were there was huge infection problems, and now they're able to bring it under control. Hmm. Well, that's a pretty big population. Huge. Huge. Mm-hmm. Your uh, production facilities would be maxed out if you had them in all of those places. We uh, we, we we will fit. That is a equation that we we can figure out. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. That that's a good one to have to to uh, worry about. Absolutely. I'm a little curious on the financial aspect. When hospitals incur these uh, infections with their patients. Um, why why does it cost them any money? Because the longer the patient's in, in their facility, the insurance has to pay, correct? Or it's Medicare or whatever. So correct. obviously correct. it's still to the benefit of everyone. Um, I would think that insurance companies perhaps would, would get into the game on this in terms of, have, of we- hospitals purchasing these things. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen really? that. Really? And, and it may, no, oh, that's, because, that's... And it may, well, Denise, the, the, the insurance companies, you know, if, if the insurance company owns the hospital, then, then, then they have a vested interest in maybe doing that. But where, yeah. you know, one, each insurance company only has 10% of the patients, they all kind of look at it and go, well, you know, I'm not going to foot the bill for that. Um, you foot the bill for that. Um, and then you would say, well, as a collective, Maybe they'll do it as a collective, and they don't really do it as a collective. It really, and you'd like to I'm say shocked. it falls it falls on the the doctor. Well, no, the doctor doesn't control the hospital. The hospital, I mean, the the, the doctor may no, work for the hospital or may not. Sure, um, sure. It, it it falls on the. I mean, 
the the leading hospital thinkers are the ones who will say, you know what, not a single additional infection at my hospital. I'm not going to let that happen to my patient. And then, quite frankly, it can become a, a marketing advantage to them because they're just mm-hmm. running a hospital with less uh, with fewer infections and less sure. chance of getting an infection. And that's what patients should want. All of this information, by the way, I don't know if your listeners, but if you go to if you look up uh, hospital compare on the web, hospital compare. That'll take you to a government website, and then you have to do a little digging down. You'll have to put in your zip code or your city or your state and drill down, and then you can scroll down to an area where it talks about infections in those hospitals. And um, you can look at how are they doing when they do a, you know, a knee surgery or other kind wow. of joint surgery. How are their C-diff rates? It's all published. It's public information. There's another, there's another group called the Le- – there's a leapfrog group, leapfrog group, and it's spelled just like it sounds, and they will rate hospitals in different areas and give them an A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you can make some decisions, and you have to be proactive. And, and, and your doctor may say, well, look, I only operate at this place. So, so good example. I have a little sister, wonderful little sister, Roseanne. And uh, Roseanne was in uh, Boston, and she had to have a uh, surgery. So she goes to her doctor, and I said, look, it's my little sister. I'll send a robot up to you um, if you'll just allow them to disinfect before and after her surgery. And the doctor said, it's not part of our hospital protocol. It's not what we do. Um, I run a good practice, and uh, I'm not going to do it. So we looked up the infection rates, and the infection rates were about 3.5%. So that's 3.5 people per 100 that were getting infections. And literally, I just said to uh, my little sister, I'm like, look, as, as your big brother, it would be nice if I would say to you, well, it's going to be all right. I said, it's not my job to make you feel good. It's my job to protect you. And uh, we switched doctors and hospitals, and she ended up going to a, a hospital called Newton Wellesley that already had the robots, and uh, she had her surgery. The doctor was completely familiar with Xenex, and he's like, yep, I run that before all of my surgeries. You're going to be in great shape. And sure enough, she had her surgery, no issues, and uh, she's feeling great now. Oh, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, that's just it's being proactive. It's being smart. You know, I mean, yeah. why not utilize the this wonderful technology? It's here. It's here today. It exists. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In anybody, it's not. It's not that the patients are choosing to get an infection, but they need no, to be proactive. Not. They need to be proactive about seeking out the hospital. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, look, I, just like my little sister, I wouldn't let anybody that I care about or that I don't, if they'll listen to me, you know, if, go into a hospital that's not using this. When you look at the percentage reductions, if a hospital mm-hmm. can get a 75 or an 85% reduction in infection rate by using this, I mean, I don't know if I if I told you I'm going to sell you a car where you're going to have an 85 percent less chance of ever being in a car accident or dying from it. You might mm-hmm. be interested in talking. I don't know if you know this statistic. More people die from hospital infections than breast cancer, AIDS, and auto accidents combined. Mm-hmm. Breast cancer. Think about the race for the cure. Susan G. Komen. You know, mm-hmm. AIDS and auto accidents. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem, and just people don't really know it. And, and, and God bless them, most people, you'll ask them, and you'll say, well, 
so what are you doing? And they say, you know, I just trust my doctor. And and some of the doctors know about this, and a lot of them don't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for our for our listeners' information, whatever city they live in, who would they contact at a hospital to find out if they have this technology or not? You, usually, you would ask your um, physician, or uh, generally, if you're going to be go go to the hospital, the the physician will have a, a assistant, a nurse's assistant, or somebody that you can mm-hmm. contact and just say, hey, I, I just want to check, does this hospital use the Xenex robots? Uh, sometimes a lot of the hospitals um, that use our technology, you can find them on our website, which is xenex.com, and uh, uh, view it. Um, but you, you just have to call and ask. And, okay. uh, and generally the nurse or the physician can call you back and say, yeah, actually they are using it there. About, like I said, about 500 out of the 5,000 hospitals in the United States have our technology. Um, so we've got a long way to go, um, mm-hmm. but um, I mean it's it's pretty clear. It really is. Was well, there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, we've covered just we've done a very good job of covering uh, your product. Um, I mean, as far as uh, people avoiding getting infections to begin with, uh, you know, outside of of your robot. What do you say about that? Well, I, I think when when you if somebody okay, so so let's address two different populations. If a patient okay. is immune compromised, so if they if they have cancer um, mm-hmm. or some other uh, uh, ailment that that's making them um, more easily infectable, um, if they're taking uh, steroids and things like that, not not for working out, but like literally doctor prescribed steroids, um, then then you want to make sure that you minimize your exposure. So, you know, generally the sheets in the, the, the hospital bed are clean. Um, so only touch the sheets, um, have anybody that comes into your uh, hospital room, put on a mask, uh, make sure that everybody washes their hands. Um, it's fair to tell any healthcare provider, worker, doctor, nurse, custodian to, if they're entering your room to please wash their hands um, mm-hmm. I would avoid touching, um, you know, you can put a plastic bag around a remote control, around a nurse's call button. You can cover things kind of like how your dentist does when you go to the uh, dental office and mm-hmm. they cover the chair and the lights and everything mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, just minimize the number of surfaces that you're touching. And, um, you know, it, it wouldn't be bad to bring a set of clothes that when you're finished, uh, you have a clean change and you're just going to toss the first set of clothes out if you, you know, sat sat in the hospital. And, and it's not that, that every surface on the hospital is, is, is infected or is pathogenic. They're not. But you don't know which ones are and which ones mm-hmm. aren't. And so, therefore, I mean, exercising an abundance of caution to protect yourself is one of the best things that you as a patient can do. Okay. You know, well, I, th- I think yeah. the other the – other, the other MD Anderson last year, this is an interesting study. They, they published a study where they were looking at running the ZX robots in the operating rooms between surgeries. And they, mm-hmm. they figured out that if they just ran it for two minutes, literally two minutes at the head of the operating room bed where the anesthesiologist typically stands between surgeries, they could reduce the pathogen load, the bacteria, spores, et cetera, in that operating room by 72%, 72%. So you would think, and I would think, or I would have thought 
well, look, I'm going to go have an operation. That operating room is sterile. Well, if it was sterile, you couldn't reduce the pathogen load by 72% because there wouldn't be any pathogens in the room to begin with. That's right. Right. So MD Anderson said, you know, we recommend anybody getting surgery, basically, um, that they have, you know, a two-minute cycle of Xenex. Similarly, the the VA hospitals, we're we're in – a, uh, a majority of the VA hospitals at this point. And, uh, you know, people are sometimes critical of the, the, the U.S. government, but what we've seen is they've been incredibly good adopters of this technology to protect veterans. Oh, good. And, uh, yeah, and when, when, when I went to testify before Congress, um, we called them and uh, said, look, the, you know, Congress is going to ask us, what has this done to your infection rates? And sure enough, the, the VA said, okay, well, well, we'll share with you, and it's all in the congressional record, but it reduced their infection rates more than 50%. So they've actually done an incredibly good job of protecting veterans, um, which most people might not suspect. So we've, we've been very impressed with oh. how proactive they've been. So it's, it's actually excellent. That's really good information. It really is. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy busy day to be with us. Well, thank you. Thank you, Denise. I really appreciate it. And uh, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. It was extremely, uh, you're very knowledgeable in the field and it's obvious your passion for helping people is there as well. Um, Again, we're talking with Morris Miller and he is the CEO of Zenx with an X. There you go. Thanks, Denise. Good luck. I really luck appreciate to you. it. You bye bet. Bye. All right. Have a great night. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. That wraps up our show for today. Very very interesting information. Please join us again next week. We'll have another great informative guest for you. Till then, be well. Bye bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?